You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. Waiting is an inevitable part of life. It doesn't matter if you're waiting for your coffee order, waiting for the pair of shoes you really want to come back in stock, waiting for test results, or waiting on help while making a big decision. Waiting is tough. When you're waiting, you might feel excited, but you might feel skeptical too, especially when what you've been promised gets delayed. You start to wonder when you've waited long enough. Eventually, you might even give up hope. Sometimes people of faith have to wait on God. While we wait on God, we need to remember that God has a plan. God is faithful. God is listening. And we should never give up hope because God's not given up on us. Happy Easter. A few weeks ago, I was at a stoplight, and the light turned green, and I sneezed. And the car behind me honks its horn, blares its horn at me. And i got to be honest with you, I was pretty irritated. Because this wasn't like a five-minute sneeze, this was more like a three-second sneeze. And of course, we go through the stoplight, and eventually he passes me. And we come to the next stoplight, and he's in one lane, and I'm in the other. And I was really tempted to stop next to him and say, Blessed are those who have patience. But because you didn't today, may you hit every stoplight in San Antonio. Now, I didn't do that, but I definitely was thinking that and probably some other things. But I've probably been a lot more like the guy who honked his horn at me than what I would like to admit, and there's probably been times that you've been impatient as well. We are all tired of waiting for things. We all face times of waiting, not just at a stoplight, but for the right time, for the right person, for the right thing. And today we're starting a new series called Waitlisted. And over the next month, we're going to be looking at people who had to wait in the Bible. People that, can, that we can see their example, we can see how they handled their time of waiting. And we're not just going to be looking at these people, but we're going to be asking questions such as, how do we react when we're waitlisted? What is our attitude? Do we worry? Do we get fearful? How do we react in times of waiting? You know, the thing that bothers me the most about waiting is not knowing what's next. You you go in for a series of tests or a test and uh, the doctor gives you a test and and then you have to wait for the results. And you don't know what's next. It could be good news or it could be bad news or it could be the doctor's going to say, we need to do more tests. You, You apply for college, your dream college, and you're waiting to find out. And you don't know if it's going to be good news or if they're going to, you're going to get a rejection letter and you're going to have to keep on applying. Maybe you've applied for a scholarship and you're hoping to get it and you're waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and again, you don't know what's next. 
With COVID, we've asked that question several times, well, what's next? When am I going to get my vaccine? Am I ever going to be able to hug and shake hands again? When's this going to end? Dr. Pamela Dolan writes that the first Easter, more than 2,000 years ago, it would have been hard for the disciples to answer that question, what's next? Yes, they heard the prophecies from Scripture. They had heard Jesus talk about his role in fulfilling them. But could they really imagine exactly what that meant? Even if they could sort of imagine it, could they really believe that this impossible thing was coming to pass? It seems clear from the gospel accounts of the resurrection and the 50 days following that even his closest friends really weren't sure what to believe. This doesn't mean they were lacking faith. They were stunned and reeling from the violent death of someone they loved. They were wondering if it was even worth hoping that things would ever return to normal again. They were experiencing very real emotions, shock and heartbreak and despair. Mary Magdalene experienced these emotions. And when you're waitlisted, you feel all kinds of different emotions. Before we come to our passage today that we're going to be looking at in John chapter 20, it's important to know a few things about Mary Magdalene. She was one of a handful of women who followed Jesus. She would have heard his teaching, would have seen his miracles. She actually helped support his ministry. She was one of the women found in Luke 8 that helped fund the ministry of Jesus. And now, in the case of Mary, we don't know a whole lot about her in the Bible. Yes, there's only one other woman mentioned more in the New Testament than her, and that's the Mar- being Mary, the mother of Jesus. But she, being Mary Magdalene, or Magdala, or Megdal, most likely that tells us the place that she was born in, which was a small fishing village on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. And she's not known for any of her relationships. She's not known as a daughter or a wife or a mother of someone. Instead, she's described by her birthplace. This may have given her the freedom to follow Jesus around from place to place. Luke 8 tells us that she was plagued by seven demons, which in the first century could have meant many things. It could have been an undiagnosed illness. It could have been an addiction. It could have been mental illness. It could have been an unexplained fever. Or it literally could have been demons. And scholars have suggested that number seven shows an aggravated or violent form of possession or problem. So whatever she had, whether it was demons or some kind of illness, it was really bad. Now we know that Mary Magdalene was among the, among the women who went with Jesus from Galilee to Jerusalem for Palm Sunday. And she would have seen the crowds uh, with palm branches. She would have seen them worshiping him, saying, Hosanna! She would have seen Jesus in the temple courts, driving out the money changers. She was aware that Jesus was arrested, going through a a series of kangaroo court trials. And she would have seen Pilate and heard Pilate, and and, and hearing him talk to the crowds. 
and the crowds wanting Barabbas released instead of Jesus, she would have heard the crowd yell, crucify him. She would have known that Jesus was beaten. Beaten very badly. Beaten with a cat of nine tails. His body in really bad shape. She would have been aware that Jesus was forced to carry a cross, 75 pounds, to a point that he couldn't do it anymore because he had been beaten so badly that Simon of Cyrene was pressed into service. She would have seen the soldiers gambling for Jesus' clothes. She would have heard the nails being put in Jesus' hands, in his arms on the cross. She would have seen his pain and agony. She would have heard his last words, seen his last breath. She would have seen Jesus' body taken down and quickly prepared for burial. She would have watched Jesus put into a tomb, and she would have seen the stone in front of it. I want you to think about Mary and what she was experiencing. And she wasn't just grieving a friend passing, but the death of her hope and her dreams and her ideas. Mary is waiting, but she doesn't even know what she's waiting for. She didn't know what was next. She didn't know what was between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. She's just waiting. And so in John chapter 20, starting at verse 11, it says, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept and stooped and looked in, she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. She says, because they've been ta- they've have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. So Mary comes to the tomb. She sees the stone has been rolled away. There's two angels, and she's not worried about the angels. There's nothing in Scripture that says she's worried about the angels. She's just concerned about what happened to Jesus' body. She's not thinking that Jesus rose from the dead. Why? Because that wasn't common, just like it's not common today. Her instant response was, someone must have stolen the body. Verse 14, she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Why, or who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I will go and get him. And she's very emotional, and she sees this man, and she assumes he's the gardener. I mean, who else would be at the garden at this time? And this man says, why are you crying? That's the second time. Second time that the angels told her this, now the gardener, Jesus, tells her this. Why are you crying? Mary says, if you've taken him, tell me where he is. She's determined. She's on a mission. She wants to find Jesus' body. Mary, Jesus said, and she turned to him and cried out, Rabbanoni, which in Hebrew means teacher. Teacher, master, friend, savior. 
Everything's been dark and everything has been so bad. And now Jesus is alive. Her eyes have been open. Everything has changed for her. Jesus has risen from the dead. And when you're waiting, when you're waitlisted, it seems like everything is so terrible. And sometimes life is difficult. And it's hard to see Jesus in times when we're waitlisted. In our impatience, we often don't see him and we miss him and we get frustrated. But let me remind you that Easter reminds us that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is walking with you through everything that you're going through, even when you're waitlisted. Priest and author Henry Nouwen wrote something that resonates with me on this Easter, Easter morning more than ever before. He said, being patient is difficult. It's just not waiting until something happens over which we have no control. The arrival of a bus, the end of rain, the return of a friend, the resolution of a conflict. Patience is not waiting passively until someone else does something. Patience asks us to live the moment to the fullest. Let me repeat that. Patience asks us to live the moment to the fullest, to try to be completely present to the moment, to taste the here and now, to be where we're at. When we're impatient, we try to get away from where we are. We behave if the real thing will happen tomorrow or later or somewhere else. Be patient and trust that the treasure that you're looking for is hidden in the ground in which you stand. And so Henry's encouraging us, instead of rushing through and being impatient, to live life to its fullest and realize that God is working even when we're waitlisted, even in those times that are frustrating. Each month, we give you a spiritual practice to to try doing. And this month, we're focusing on the spiritual practice of rest. And this week, I want you to rest by, by letting go of your impatience. Impatience is exhausting. It keeps our mind running full speed, trying to figure out what's next. But I want you this week to list some reasons that you're impatient, and I want you to give them to God. Maybe it's because you like control. Maybe you like to know know all the steps, and you want to know everything. And God just says, trust me. Sometimes we're just impatient because we feel like we're the most important person in the world. And, and we have a right to, to be first with everything. And, and, and we need to write all those things down and say, God, I, I struggle with impatience. I'm the most patient person I know because I never use them. We need to let that go and give that to God. And then I want you to, to think, where do you see Jesus as you're waiting? Some people, like Mary Magdalene, miss Jesus. They see him as a gardener. But in reality, Jesus is a whole lot closer in our situation than I think we realize. We may not always know what's next. We know how it ends. The resurrection gives us hope of that. We still have times of waiting, times of doubt, times of frustration, but the resurrection gives us hope no matter what we face. And so you remember that. 
in your times of waiting, we always have hope because of the resurrection. 